everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Grateful to have you here for another episode where I welcome in the founders of The Fit Mess, Jeremy Grader and Zach Tucker. Jeremy lives in British Columbia, and he spent the majority of the last decade experimenting with a variety of wellness tools to improve his mental health, lose 70 pounds, and share what's helped along the way. He's also been in the broadcasting and podcasting business for about two decades. Jeremy is a certified REBT mindset and transformation life coach. Zach resides in Albany, New York, and has a passion for helping people define and meet their wellness goals. He thinks that every person is different, and there is no one-size-fits-all solution for someone's wellness. He is on a mission to share his story and some of the tools that helped him on his own wellness journey, including losing over 100 pounds. Zach is certified to teach yoga and Insanity Live. And you can find everything that Jeremy and Zach are up to at their website, thefitmess.com. Without further ado, let's welcome in Jeremy and Zach. Let's get it started. Jeremy, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's good to have y'all. Um, excited to chat always with folks, especially right, you know, y'all's fitness journeys I want to go into. There's a lot of cool things we can talk about here. Um, I thought we'd start though, let's just kind of to kind of connect the dots because I'm curious a little bit more of like the serendipity, the fact that y'all live like, I don't know how many, what, like probably 2,000 miles away from each other, something like that. Something so like that. Yeah. Help, help, help us all out. How did y'all meet? Give me the, the backstory there of uh, the connection of why you both are on this call today. You know? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. It's um, so I, I grew up in New York, but uh, my wife and I moved to Seattle, uh, geez, 12 years ago, almost. And uh, it was it was an interesting move out there for us, because we went like four months without seeing each other, because I went out before she did. And she showed up and nine months later, my daughter was born like that. You know, the, <laughs> you, you can put all the timing together and like, Oh, that that I, I understand what happened there. Uh, but we had, you know, we had a, our daughter in 2011 and, you know, I was already on like my health and wellness journey at that point. I had had, you know, some life-changing moments earlier on in my life. And I don't know, I guess, you know, when, when my daughter was what, I don't know, two or three or something like that. Uh, my wife met another mom at like a running group that they were going to. And, you know, that those two moms were like, Hey, we should get a breakfast together. And, you know, bring our husbands. And that was Jeremy and I, and we, you know, both showed up kind of standoffish, like, sup. So, yeah, right. you know, like just standard you know, guy test, stuff, testing the waters of like, who are you? What's your, how macho is this, this guy? Um, and that, that was kind of how we met. And I'll let Jeremy tell the rest of the story. Cause it was history after that. Yeah, I think, you know, as we tested those boundaries and, and sort of asked the questions to see, you know, how real can I get with this guy, we started to realize that they, there really didn't need to be much of a wall. So we started tearing that wall down. And I was getting started on a, on a wellness journey around the same time. I had an, an injury that led me into, into some new choices and, and uh, lifestyle uh, habits. And so uh, in talking to Zach, we started discovering that we were both sort of, sort of exploring this ways to, you know, way, ways to be healthier, ways to be happier. And we started just having these really like kind of raw, vulnerable conversations and owning up to how hard it was and, and the struggle of how challenging it is to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, all these things. And I had been in radio for a long time. I'd been podcasting for a long time. And the show I had done had come to an end. And Zach started saying, you know, these conversations we are having, I don't hear other guys talk like this. Guys don't open up the way that, that you and I do. Is there value in us making a podcast like this and, and sharing these, these experiences? And at first I said, hell no, I, I'm no expert. I'm not going to tell anybody how to live their lives and how to, how to be happy and healthy. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And uh, he pushed and pushed and pushed. And eventually I cracked and, and we started doing a show. And the response has been great. You know, we, we intend to speak to guys like us at the beginning that uh, are trying to figure out how to get started. Where do I take better care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally? Uh, oddly enough, we hear a lot from their wives and their girlfriends and their partners that say, man, I, I wish my partner would listen to the show because you guys are onto something. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Y'all mentioned like, I actually went through this struggle with the, the Just Get Started podcast because 
it was like, who am I to have these conversations and bring it up? And then one of the things that really got me over the hurdle was, well, wait a minute, I'm actually sharing. And so I think similar to what you guys do, I'm sharing the journey as I'm in it. Yeah. You know, I'm telling the stories as I'm learning because the, you know, four and a half years now it's been for me, like four and a half years ago, it was a totally different Brian. So it's just like kind of cool to see and just the conversations, everything. So I'm imagining is that how, how long have you guys been doing the podcast, by the way? I think we're coming up on four years. It's been almost four years now. Okay. Yeah. Around, yeah. around okay. the same time. Do you, are you, are you like me where there, there's days you show up and you're like, man, I could, I could do this for days and tell everyone all the things. And then there's days where you're like, who am I? I still have those, those ups and downs. Yeah, I think, yes. I, and I think partly that's why, you know, like, that's why I love to write. Um, you know, I blog a lot. I've written a couple of children's books. I'm writing some other books too, but like, I, I really enjoy writing. And I think that's my therapy. Like the, blo the blogging nice. allows me to get these thoughts out of like, yeah. like other people are probably thinking it, but shit, I know I'm thinking it and hopefully it'll be helpful to other people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess partly, yeah, it's showing, well, that's why I love having like, like, like you guys on, because I'm like, listen, as much as I'd love to have Oprah on and it'd be a cool conversation, right. it's, it's really cool. Like, like folks like y'all, like you're in the game, you're, you're doing it, you're working it. And you're figuring it out as you go along. And, and what's, what's nice is I could look at, and we can get into this even more, but like I look at, and I'm curious where you guys have come from too, like on this whole fitness journey, like as an example, I was a pescatarian for three years, like mm -hmm. back 2016 to 2019, like something like that. And now I do like more of an animal-based diet. So I've like mm -hmm. done a, a big shift and, sure. and people have asked like, well, Brian, why do you, it's like, no, I've learned more. I've studied more, I've researched more, and I've come to a different conclusion. And, and we all change and evolve if we're open to it. Yeah. And I think, I'm wondering if you guys were like this, I, this is kind of, I'm going to throw the, uh, the ball back because I'm really curious. You guys both mentioned you had these kind of change moments in your life yeah. of like, what were the years prior? Were you always just like, was fitness like number 21 on the priority <laughs> list? Like you never even thought about it? Like, was it that bad? Or was it like you did it a little bit? Oh, 20, 20, 20, 20s on the list is a, a, a little. Yeah, that's ambitious. No, that that's I would put it in the triple digits. It was it was not good. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think there was the list of stuff I cared about, and then that was in a different file. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can tell you from my perspective, like I'm I'm at a good weight now. Like I, you know, I'm a healthy weight and everything like that. But it, you know, in my late or, or I'm sorry, early twenties, I was like this far away from 300 pounds and my best friend worked at mcdonald's was a manager at mcdonald's so i just ate there all the time and smoked cigarettes drank mountain dew played video games all day like it was it was a totally different story from where i am today but how and, did so i'm curious how that changed though on that and i'm gonna jerry i'm gonna get you in a second i'm, yeah. I'm curious i don't want to miss that point that like how the heck do you make that like that's like david goggins ask like you make the, the the big switch 300 pounds and then the Navy SEALs type. Like, how did you get that yeah. mindset change? Um, I had, I needed to have a wake up call and like for everyone, their wake up call is a little bit different. I know the, the one defining moment in my life where I was like, oh, I need to do something different was I had just finished college. I got my first job out of college. Um, and at, like I mentioned earlier, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. So I wanted to go to the, it was a nine o'clock interview for this job I wanted. And I was like, well, I don't want to show up smelling like smoke. So I like wore a nicotine patch instead and like went and, you know, of course my brain functioned well, not being, you know, taken well care of. It functioned well enough that I got the job. And then the first day of work, I walked in and I had smoked cigarettes and you could smell it on me. And my boss looked at me and went, oh, you smoke cigarettes? And I was like, yep. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't have hired you if I'd known that. Like that was enough to like kick me like right in the teeth. And I just like walked out and went, wow, my professional career, which was really important to me at the time is going to suffer because of these things. So that was the one thing I needed. I quit smoking. And then they the same job. They were like, oh, well, now that you're not smoking, like we're going to do a 5k in the summertime. And everyone gets to leave work early. So I was like, Oh, I'm a social butterfly. I love that. And I will totally leave work early. And I'll never forget the day I went to a track to go, okay, well, I'm, I signed up for the race. I'm going to do it. 
and I got, it was a track that was nine laps to a mile. It was an indoor track. And I got halfway around it once and like fell to my knees and was like out of breath and just in such horrible shape. And I don't know what clicked in my head, but like that whole thing of like, I need to be better hit me. And sure enough, I ran the 5k and then I started running half marathons and marathons and triathlons and like years and years and years went by and it was small changes to like today where I'm in the best shape of my life, like mentally and physically. Wow. Jim, did you have, did you have a similar kind of path on that? Uh, I mean, mine was different for sure, but I, you know, I was, I was pushing 270 plus at, at some point and uh, I was a new dad and relied on alcohol to manage my emotions and my feelings and all the things. And uh, early one morning, uh, the grocery delivery came at like six o'clock in the morning, the guy knocks on the door and my dog starts barking and any new dad knows that anything that's going to wake up the baby, you know, it requires leaping out of bed and silencing it immediately. So I literally got out of bed and rolled my knee in a way like I, I thought I broke my knee literally getting out of bed. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't move my leg. It was horrible. And that injury, you know, sent me to a doctor and, and ultimately it was, they think it was some sort of a nerve damage thing or whatever. Um, but, but in the course of treating it, I started talking to a physical therapist and she was looking at my knees in general and said, you know, unless you want to be like your parents and have your knees replaced, you need to get on a bike and, and ride a bike as much as possible. And, you know, being 270 and, and, you know, 30 something years old, I just thought there's no way in hell I'm doing that. How am I going to get on a bike? I haven't ridden a bike since I was a kid. So I went and complained to my brother because that's what I did. And he just said to me, dude, this is really easy. All you need to do is start bike commuting to work and decide you're the weird guy that rides his bike to work every day. Like just make that decision and yeah. the action will follow. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the way he said it at the time he said it, I immediately adopted that identity. And within a week I had a bike, started bike commuting. And I just, I fell in love with not only biking but the experience of having to be in the moment. Like if, if you are on a bike riding on city streets and you're not paying attention to what's happening right now, it's going mm -hmm. to end badly. Mm -hmm. And I was finding this real peace in that, in that sort of chaos. And I ended up, I remember talking to my wife and saying, how do I bring more of that into my life? And she said, I don't know, talk to a therapist dummy. So I found a therapist who taught me about meditation and about Dharma and, and all these things. And so it was, it was amazing because this injury opened a door to biking, which opened a door to mindfulness, which opened a door to meditation. And I started realizing the more I say yes to these things, the more that I accept these opportunities, the more that they open three more doors in my life. And I just got more and more curious about what else can I do? How else can I grow? And that was largely the conversations I was having with Zach. And one of them was sitting around a campfire one, one morning and he was showing me all the weight he'd lost and you know, how he was eating. And it was, it was a, basically a keto-based diet at, the, at that point. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, 70 pounds later, the, the weight melted, melted off I, mentally. I was clear. I was just, I, I just felt great. And so that is really kind of matches up with the timeline of our show where we decided, you know, we're learning a lot from our own experience and from, from sharing these stories with each other. Let's, let's share this with other people. So when you all met the first time, were you at your heaviest weights or close to it? I was not, no. I oh, think so I was you, coming down. I think I was coming okay. down from mine a little bit, but I was still up there. Yeah. So y'all had, you've kind of discovered on your own in these other, in these separate worlds. And then like worlds kind of collided as you met yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, this is interesting. We both have a totally different journey, but it's actually really similar yeah. in, ter in terms of health and wellness. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, what was it? So you guys both mentioned a little bit, the, both the, I guess the, the balance of the fitness uh, aspect, but also the nutrition aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So I know they're both important, but can you share, I, I mean, it's something I, I, you know, I think about a lot is how much I, as much active as I am, I know that's so important, but if, if I chose poorly what to eat, mm -hmm. that would have a huge impact. I think way more than maybe not strength training or not running or whatever. Would you guys agree? Would, would you disagree? Any, any thoughts on the nutrition versus the, the actual fitness? Yeah, I'm going to jump in on this one just yeah. because we, we kind of had this conversation a while back and, um, the way I, the way I see it in my mind is like, you have those two options of fitness and, and the way you eat, if you continue to eat garbage food and you go take on the fitness part, yeah, you're going to build a little bit of muscle, 
but like, you're not going to make a substantial change, right? Because you can't outrun a bad diet. If you don't do the fitness part and you just go out and focus on eating healthy, good foods, your body's going to get healthier. So in my mind, like they go really, really well together, right? One has to support the other, but if you're going to make one change, look at the food, like that's where you're going to get 80% of the results. Once you've got that dialed in, then start walking, then start going to a gym, then start like doing the thing. So I see food as like priority number one, which, and of course I'm human and I eat like garbage occasionally. And then I can't do the fitness thing as well, but I see food as the number one thing. And then fitness comes after that. Yeah, I agree. I've kind of been experimenting with this myself the last few months. And I I started a new workout routine and I didn't really alter my diet. My, My diet's not garbage, but sometimes, and probably too often it is. And so I was just curious. It was like, if I just, if I just do the lifting, if I just do the exercise, what's going to happen? And I did start seeing results. I didn't make any drastic food changes, but I also started to realize, man, at this rate in maybe a year and a half, I might be, you know, close, close to where I want to be, where if I do make the food changes, maybe it'll be more like six months. And I think that's where people get hung up a lot is that they'll start, you know, they'll get on the app and they'll do the workout for two weeks and nothing changes and like, well, what the hell, what's the point? And it's because they didn't change their food and it's because they gave it two weeks. And even if, even if you give it four or five, six months of just doing the physical fitness, you're not going to see the results. You're going to get frustrated and you're going to feel like, why am I wasting my time? I don't enjoy doing this. This sucks. This hurts. And I'm not getting the results. Hell with it. I'm going back to what I used to do because at least then I was quote happy. Yeah. So I agree. The food is the foundation. And then it's, it's really the fuel. And then the, the, the exercise is the, the fine tuning and, and the carving of, of your body, the way you want it to look. Well, and, and I think you guys both said is really just how you feel. Like if you feel like yeah. shit, it's <laughs> hard to go in and do a tough workout. So yeah. you're going to kind of half-ass that. And then it, it's just kind of a spiral down the hill from there. Sometimes um, if you feel great, it's tough to go in and do a workout. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I, well, that's, you know, this is something I'm, I don't know how much you guys get into this. You may get into way more than me, but I find myself really trying to, to turn the dial like on, on uh, insulin, on, uh, you know, gut health, like I have all these things. I'm like, okay, I'm at one level. How do I get even better? How do I optimize and just start tweaking the dial? Um, Is there certain things y'all are thinking about now, maybe that you didn't think about four or five years ago, now that you're kind of, you're in better shape and you're, and you're healthier and your lifestyle's changed? For me, I mean, uh, there's so much attention right now on gut health that, that I know that's something that I need to spend more time learning more about and, and actually talking to a specialist because otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm the mad scientist in the lab trying different supplements and different foods and different things mm-hmm. without any real, like, you know, trained knowledge on what am I doing? Like, you know, I've, I've read some articles, I've heard some things, different experts have said different things, but, but the one thing that is true, no matter who you listen to, is that everyone is different. Yeah. Every, every individual needs something specific for them. So you can't just take the, the general knowledge you know, uh, advice and apply it to yourself and expect it to work every time. So I know gut health is something that I need to pay more attention to. Um, so that's, that's probably the main thing we've, we've experimented with different, uh, apps and services where they take your blood and they specialize, you know, a diet plan for you and supplements for you and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and they, they work, they're great, you know, because they, they're dealing with your blood and, and your physiology. And so the more you can sort of learn what's going on with your body, that's where you can make really educated decisions about your food rather than sort of guessing and going, well, if I just eat more plants, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to that. Like we're all, we're all incredibly different. I know for me, like I had a lot of success with keto um, and eating, you know, a very low amount of carbohydrates made me feel good. And, you know, from a, you know, mental perspective, and, you know, I dropped a ton of weight and then, you know, add in the, the fitness part. Like I was, I was pretty cut, but then I realized that like, I have a genetic, um, uh, switch that all of that dairy, all of that fat was actually spiking my cholesterol to like, uh, 220% of normal and was actually causing plaque to build up in my arteries. So I actually had to go and modify my diet specifically for me. So I think the the key, what I'm trying to say is like, everyone's different. Like, you know, reading an article on keto or key on, you know, or an article on another kind of diet, like try different things and listen to your body and get tests because 
what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for you and you're going to have to modify it and find your own way. But like we were talking about earlier, those opinions can change. Like what you believed six months ago, yeah. you're allowed to change it. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Like once you form an opinion, they want to keep it for the rest of their lives. Right. I love throwing my opinions away and like finding evidence that proves me wrong yeah. to get a little bit better every day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I remember watching um, Forks Over Knives in 2013. I'll never forget. You're, have you guys seen that documentary? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, it's a, I think it's as well done, but like, that was one thing that really, that was like the first time that started me thinking differently. Cause I had done like, um, I had done P90X and I had start, I started to do some of those like insanity and some of those programs, but I'd never really focused on my diet at all. And that really got me thinking like, Oh, what am I putting into my body? Um, but again, to your point, it's like, that was 2013, but the amount of change of what I've eaten and how I eat and you know, all that stuff has changed over time. But I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys would agree with this. I, I would, assume, I'm going to assume you will. It's like, it is kind of simple though. Like we're all different, but if you take away processed foods, if you take away a lot of the grease and, and that stuff, you're going to see a dramatic change just by taking away. Like I was, I don't know who I was talking to my brother, I think the other day, but like, you think about a grocery store, like if everyone listened into envision a grocery store, last time you've been in one, 95% of it, is garbage in there. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you really can focus on, I, I had a nutritionist tell me one time, I thought it was like such a great advice. She's like, she's like, just work on the outside rim of the grocery yep. store. And that is normally where all the like healthier food is. And it actually makes a lot of sense because that's like the, the, uh, the fruits are and vegetables and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the idea that if it, if it didn't walk, grow or swim, don't eat it. Right. Like if it comes right. in a box or a bag that has a nutrition label, it probably isn't really food. But, but like you said, yeah, it's simple, but it's not easy because so much of what is available and the way that the stores are designed works against your biology. I mean, you walk into the store and there's a reason that you're funneled right into the, the middle of the store and all the garbage, because that's what they want you to buy, because that's, that's the, that's where they're going to make all their money. And yeah, when you especially my generation, you know, we, we didn't necessarily grow up uh, in, a, in a house where homemade meals were regular. For most of us, we got home from school and we were alone and whatever was in the cupboard and, you know, didn't require turning on a stove. That's what we ate. So we come to this with a, with a very limited knowledge of what is good for your body. And, you know, now many of us later in life are figuring out, oh, most of what I've been eating for the last 20 years is complete garbage and I shouldn't have been doing that. Uh, and, and it's something that I wrestle with now. I wrestle with it with my own kids because, you know, they, they want to eat cheese and bread. And so how do I get them to just stop eating that and eat more plants, eat more vegetables? So yeah, absolutely. The, the more whole food based your diet is, the better it's going to be. So if you can avoid the middle of the store or the boxes or the bags, then yeah, you're, you're going to come out ahead, but, but it just goes against, you know, our culture. It goes against everything you're told in advertising. It goes against your shopping experience. I mean, you really have to be your own advocate and it's a very difficult thing to do. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And the, and the cards are really stacked against you too. Like the companies that make all this food, they are very specifically targeting for you to pick up this one thing, right? They're, you know, putting healthy words on the cover of it, but it's not actually healthy, right? They know exactly what they're doing and how they're getting people, you know, addicted to certain kinds of foods or, you know, the dopamine rush that we get from uh, particular foods, you know, the whole system is working against you. So like getting out of that is really hard to do on top of the fact that, I mean, I, I have had my day number one of eating healthy, probably a thousand times. Right. And there is a real, real, like uh, withdrawal effect of like eating that garbage food and then eating healthy, and you think you're going to feel good, but for like three or four days, you feel like crap eating healthy food because you're coming off of the other stuff. So, I mean, it's so hard to actually make that switch and stick with it and, and know that what you're doing is the right thing because you are unhappy, you're grumpy, you're angry, you just want potato chips, and you don't feel good on top of it. So it's, it's all stacked against you. Was, was there anything y'all remember doing to help because, you know, talking a little bit maybe about habits, 
obviously not because there's a lot of, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I have a high metabolism, always been kind of active. Like, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't gotten to a position you guys had to get in. So I'm curious, I can't put myself in, in, in your bodies. Like, how did you, you start losing some weight. How do you not gain it back? Like, so were there certain habits that you consistently did each day that, or maybe over a, a, a period of time that kept moving, you know, the ball down the field? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that worked for me that, which again, you need to know yourself and really do that kind of deep inner work to know like where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. So for me, one of the things I always did was like, I planned on having a cheat day and that worked really well for me because I could turn it off at the end of the cheat day. Not everyone can turn it off at the end of the cheat day. But like on a Wednesday, I'd be like, oh man, I just want some ice cream or I just want some chips or like whatever it is. And in my head, I would go, no, that's Saturday. Just add it to the list. You're going to eat whatever you want on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, and that Saturday, I would eat myself to the point of being sick, like, you know, eating all the things that I saved up during the week. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd gain a little bit of weight on Sunday. And then by Monday, it was pretty much gone. But, you know, that was one thing that I did that actually helped out in the beginning was like, you're not going to never eat these foods again. You'll still get them occasionally here and there. You want to limit them, but you know, and I think that's where a lot of people fall, fall, fall down is I'm never doing this again. Like after a night of drinking, right. I'm never doing this again. And then three weeks later, you're doing it again. But that thought of never doing it again with certain foods is really hard for a lot of people. So if you, you know, if you can just be like, Hey, I'm going to have a treat on Saturday. I'm going to have a little something on Saturday and that's your day. And you save it all for them. That was a really good mental trick for me. But again, I know myself and I know that after I eat that, I can turn it off. Not everyone can. We did an interview with, uh, maybe you've had him, Dr. Judd Brewer, who's like one of the leading authorities on habits and, and how to make good ones and break bad ones and all that. And two things he said were, uh, critical, I think, for most people. And one is getting really curious about your actions so that you can create a better awareness about your habits. And so I know this happens to me all the time. I, I am an emotional eater. I deal with stress. Since I can't, since I don't drink anymore, I can't, I can't open a can of beer and, and, you know, make the feelings go away. I have to just sit with them. And a lot of times now that comes up as food. What can you eat to just take the pain away for a few minutes? And so when that comes up, it's super hard, but you have to just get really curious about, am I hungry? Does my body physically need nutrition right now? Or am I sad, angry, depressed, pissed off, whatever? And am I trying to hide those feelings? And if you can get to a point where you realize, no, I'm, I don't need food. I just ate 10 minutes ago. I just feel pissed off. A lot of times that awareness is enough to make you close the cabinet and go, I don't, I don't need it. I'm fine. I can move on. I, I can sit with this and, and let this pass. That's, I mean, that's, for me, that's half the battle is just that awareness because I am, I, I, I struggle with managing my emotions because it's something that's fairly new to me as a, as a, you know, five-year not drinking person. Um, so that's, that's key, I think, is, is really just developing an awareness about your actions and where they're coming from. Uh, and and coming up with a better reward, right? So the, the reward of the cookie or the donut or whatever is I'm going to feel better for five minutes. Mm -hmm. If you can come up with a better reward of, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to have a clarity and feel better, then you can start to replace those habits. And, and the other thing he said is that you cannot rely on logic to get yourself out of this. Your, your brain will not allow you to overcome your willpower issues. Your, your brain yeah. is not a strong enough muscle to overcome those. You have to develop those habits through the practice of awareness and curiosity. So whatever issue you're struggling with, whether it's, you know, I don't want to go to the gym, I want to eat better, whatever, just really get curious with your actions and, and, and become aware of why you do the things you do so that you can come up with a better reward system than the one that's not currently working for you. Yeah, that, you know, that made me remind, uh, reminded me of, uh, have you guys read Atomic Habits by James mm -hmm. Clear? Yeah, like we, he talks about, um, like acting like, you know, like, oh, instead of saying, okay, I'm not going to eat whatever junk food or like that. It's like, I'm going to act like a healthy person. I'm going to, I'm going to play the role basically of being that. So would a healthy person eat this food? No. So I'm, you know, it's kind of like, 
having that character mindset of like, all right, what's the avatar version of where I want to go? And then try mm-hmm. to act like that as much as I can. That um, was very much my bike experience, right? I, I became yeah. the guy that rides a bike. And yeah. by deciding to do that, I committed to the action and the action right. created the, the reality. Mm-hmm. And so now I do the same thing with my life. It's, you know, when I, when I walk by the overflowing pile of laundry, do I want to be the guy that lives in a house where there's no overflowing pile of laundry? Or do I want to be the guy that lives in a clean and orderly house? That guy would start a load of laundry. This guy would walk by it and let it pile up for another day. So yeah. I have to constantly be putting on the hat of the person I'm trying to become. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned, I was thinking this literally cleaning my house the other day. Cause I was like, <laughs> when did I turn into this person that actually likes the house orderly clean? Right. Cause I yeah. used to be the dirty, like just not clean the, you know, the stuff and just kind of let it get, you know, the, I, I think every, every male can say that yes. their college dorm room or, or apartment was pretty disgusting, but like, how, how do you get to that point? So yeah, I don't, I think it was probably just over time of making those decisions over and over again, eventually they kind of become just the norm. You know, you start to think like that a little bit more. Um, you're right. I, I got to ask before I forget, I'm just more curiosity. If you want to go into it, why, uh, why no drinking for the last five years? It, it was kind of one of those, let's try this and see what happens sort of things. I was, uh, I was, I've battled depression my entire life and I was knee deep in a battle with depression. And so uh, my, my therapist had recommended trying a few different drugs to, to manage it. And they were all making it worse in a lot of terrible ways. And I just, I just decided with those, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This doesn't work for me. I, I, I would rather feel you know, like I'm drowning half the time and flying half the time than to feel nothing all of the time. So I got off the drugs and, and I'm not knocking drugs. Like if, if you need them to manage your mental health issues, that's, that's great. I, you know, I, I don't judge them for me. It didn't work. Um, so I stopped and was okay. And then uh, I had kind of, I, the show that I did before this one was largely me and my brother and a friend of ours just getting completely hammered and telling ridiculous stories. And it was a lot of fun and hilarious. But as I started taking better care of myself, I started drinking less and less. And there was one New Year's morning that I woke up and I'd only had a, like a couple of beers. I didn't overdo it or anything. Uh, but I woke up and I just thought, God, I woke up with another hangover. Like how many times do I need to wake up and feel like complete shit before I'm going to make, make different actions? Yeah. And so I just decided I'm not going to drink for this month. And ironically, it was, there was a New Year's Day party at Zach's house. And I had a Bloody Mary when I got to his house. And I kind of like while I was drinking it, I decided like, this is it. I'm not going to drink alcohol again for a month. This is my last drink for the month. A month came and went. And so then did another one. And so did another one. And I just started realizing that that I was leaning on it. Like, I still don't think I was ever like an alcoholic, yeah. but I definitely was leaning on it for managing my feelings. Whenever something would get hard, my first reaction was go to the fridge and get a beer. And the more that I started sitting with my feelings and and not running from them and masking them, I was realizing there's some work to do here. And so I kept doing that work. And that, that first year, year and a half, it was some of the most challenging mental health exercises I've been through in my life. Because when you have to sit with your own shit and deal with it rather than run from it and pretend it's not there, that is some work, man. That, that is still probably the hardest thing I've ever done is to, to let go of a crutch that I'd had for my entire life. So it really was just that. It was just, I'm going to just experiment. I'm going to biohack my way to, sober, to sobriety and, and see how I feel. And now I know that because I did that, Whenever I am tempted to have a beer, I know that that's going to open a door to, oh, well, I had one a week ago. So this weekend right. I can have a couple. What's the big deal? And then, you know, a month later, I'm having four and five and six again. So to me, it's just it's just one of those. I'm not negotiating with myself on this. This is this is a decision that was made and we're not we're not going back there again. The, the decision that makes a thousand decisions, you know, yeah. like it's it's you think I, I've been thinking about that more recently. So it's interesting. That's why I wanted to ask, because like I've never been like a, a I don't exactly know about you either. Like I've never been a big drinker at all. Like I probably over half over halfway through this year, I've probably had maybe a dozen drinks. Like, you know, it's like not much, but I still think about it. It's like, OK, when I go out well, now I have to, you know, like, am I going to have a drink as a social, you know, you start thinking about all these things that come in and it's like, I've, I've, I've thought about like, do I just get rid of, I, well, I don't even do it much. Why not? Well, how was the social pressure? How did that, like you said, you had that podcast, oh, it's crushing. You have, like how, yeah. yeah, it's crushing. Yeah. But, I, 
I can't tell you how many parties that I went to and I'm sitting there with my, you know, my soda water and feeling, and you, you feel the spotlight of, Oh, everyone looks at what I'm drinking and nobody gave a shit except me. Yeah. It was just this battle I was playing in my head and I am not a social person. I'm, I'm not an outgoing, like, you know, social butterfly, like Zach, I don't, I don't work the room, right? Like I like to hide in the corner and wait for it to end and then run home quickly. So that was my mask. I could get hammered. And then all of a sudden I am the social butterfly and I'm telling all the jokes that I'm going to regret in the morning and all that. Um, so yeah, that, that was crushing. And, and people would ask, Oh, what kind of beer? I'm going to get you beer. You want something? Oh no, I'm good. You know, like it's just, it's so normal. So when you do something so abnormal, it's the internal game is horrible and sort of working the room becomes a lot harder. Yeah. Interesting, interesting additional piece to Jeremy's new year's day story was that bloody Mary that he had at my house. I had also just quit drinking like six months ago. Mm -hmm. So I had people over to my house on new year's day, like still relatively new to the quit drinking uh, experience. And everyone was drinking for new year's day. Like having that, that social moment of like, I'm not drinking. I'm just, you know, having water and this and that. And I was, it is very, very, very odd. And I actually haven't drank. Well, I did have one, but I haven't drank since then. I, I don't even know how many years it's been now. It's been like, what, six for you, Jeremy? I think I'm coming up on five. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like closer to six, but yeah, I was just in Ireland a couple of months ago and you know, everyone there was like, all right, we're going out, we're getting drunk, we're going to do the thing. And I was like, I'll come out with you guys. I have no problems going to the bars. But I'm not going to drink like it just. And fortunately, they had Guinness Zero, which is no alcohol, like on draft everywhere in Ireland, which is amazing. So I actually got to drink Guinness, but no alcohol. So it, there's definitely a huge social pressure that you think everyone's watching but really nobody cares. But also there's other experience. I, I just went to Las Vegas as a sober person for the first time. I was there for five days. Can you imagine being the sober guy at the party for five days? Like, I mean, five days in Vegas alone is a lot. That's a yeah. lot <laughs> at all, <laughs> period, even hammered, right? But yeah, being the sober, like you're everywhere you walk around. Ev I mean, literally everyone is walking around with towers of alcohol in right. each hand. Right. And just the behavior becomes, it's so weird. I used to love Vegas. I would have so much fun. And this time there was, for the most, I mean, I was with my kids and my family. We, we, we were making the most of it. We had a good time. We did all the fun things. But there were so many moments when I just felt sad for people. There were just, it is 100 degrees outside. It's sunny. It is beautiful. There's so much you could be doing. You're sitting in this smoky, dank, desperate casino, trying to make a few bucks, smoking all day, drinking free beer. What It just, the parts of it just felt so sad. And so- there, there, there's weird things like that you're, where your perspective on life is completely different because once you make that decision that I'm not drinking, that applies everywhere. Well, you know what I found too, and, and I, I think you guys are probably experiences with the podcast and kind of this movement, right, that you're creating is you might get looks or not, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's probably more like closer friends. Like, you know, I've, again, I've had folks where like, I've decided not like one night or I'm not drinking tonight or whatever. They're like, Hey, why aren't you drinking? You know, like you get those questions, but I think you become that leader where they, if they, if they trust and respect you, they start thinking like, wow, like I've had people come up to me and, you know, whether it's starting to write books or do other things and it's like, Hey, I listened, you do this, or I saw that. And that kind of gave me some motivation. I'm sure you guys are probably similar as well. It's like, I mean, it feels good to hear that, but it's just like living your ethos, your life, how you want and not worrying about those others as much. I know it's sometimes hard, but keep moving forward. Ultimately, you become that, that change like in the world that you want to see and people maybe start to embrace that. And, and all of a sudden, maybe it helps you um, relate to other people. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does to me. Yeah. yeah I, I literally just had a conversation with a friend of mine who was because I, you know, I fight imposter syndrome every minute of every day of my life. And, and I was, you know, kind of sharing with a friend of mine that I was having that problem. And he was just like, dude, you're changing lives. You change my life. What I hear you say on your show, I make different decisions about the way I live my life. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody who I had just got done saying, I envy the shit out of you and the way you live your life. How come, you know, how do I let that go? How do I stop comparing myself to you? And he's like, stop being an idiot. Like I'm, I'm learning from you, knock it off. Like we all have different things. So 
yeah, th those moments are, are amazing. And especially if it's like a random fan, right? You know, somebody who you've never met and you get that email that's like, oh, because you said X, I have changed my life completely, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's the stuff that keeps you going is that, you know, you, th you kind of think, oh, nobody's listening or not really engaging or whatever, but then you'll get that random note that's just like, oh yeah, that's, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. And, and for me, like Tim Ferriss said it, like in, I think the four hour work week, like if you scratch your own itch and then like, and, and that's really what we're doing here, right? We are here to take care of ourselves, to be vulnerable. And we just happen to talk about it, you know, on a podcast. Yeah. And that's the number one thing for me is I'm scratching my own itch. But what's amazing, like Jeremy said, when we hear from people who are like, hey, that thing you said, like that you're struggling with, I'm struggling with that too. And that's mm -hmm. super relatable. And then that like just gives them that little extra push to like go make the change. It's, it's just amazing to hear people, uh, you know, may, change their lives based on things that we're doing that we are also trying to figure out we're not necessarily an expert in, and we're also struggling with it. And like Jeremy said, you know, some imposter syndrome occasionally it's, it's a really great feeling, but you know, we also have to make sure we're keeping it, uh, you know, that foundation of we're here to take care of ourselves first yeah. and we're just talking about it. Do you guys, uh, I mean, obviously you've done a lot and, and you've kind of layered in some stories of like the triathlons and the biking, all this stuff. Are there things you're excited about now that maybe you've started to try or do, or maybe it's some big thing, you know, you're going to go climb Everest or something. I don't know. Like anything that you guys have on the, uh, on the list over the next six months a year, you're excited about fitness wise or health wise, otherwise. I mean, the only thing I can say is uh, we actually just, we just did an interview about uh, cold therapy and I, I've been a big, I've, I've been a fan of cold therapy since before I knew it was a thing. Like I've worn shorts year round since I was a kid. Like I'd gone out in the snow and short, like I've cold has never been a problem for me, but then, you know, several years ago when I learned it was actually, there's all these health benefits. I started doing more of it, but I've also sort of gotten out of the habit of it. And so uh, in, in the last few weeks, I've been making it a priority. I, I sort of sat down because, you know, I just, I just moved to a new country, a new neighborhood where I knew nobody. Like I'm, I'm sort of rebuilding my life from the ground up. And in the chaos of all that, self-care has sort of taken a back burner. So I sat down and made a list of, you know, what are the things I want more of in my life? And cold was on the top of my list because I know how much it helps me. And so I've been going two or three times. I live right next to a creek that's a mountain runoff. And so two or three times a day, I will just walk. When I take the dogs for a walk, I go and I just sit in the water and just all of the benefits, I mean, just the mental health benefits, the physical benefits, and the discipline that it teaches you to just sit in that cold water is, is kind of the fuel that I need to fire the rest of the things I'm trying to do whenever I'm struggling with, oh, should I eat this? It's garbage. I don't know. Like the discipline that I've created of, oh, well, it was hard to sit in the cold water for four minutes, but you did that. So is it harder to put down the cookie? Like, no, put it down, go eat something better. So so while no, I don't have climb Mount Everest on my list, making sure that I get in the cold as much as possible is absolutely the top priority for me right now, because I, I'm just, I'm relearning how much my body and my mental health responds to it. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm a, uh, so I, I go to a CrossFit gym and one of the reasons I really like CrossFit is because it's constantly varying, right? You're, you're doing different things every day and you're using different parts of your body. And, and I know there's, there's a almost, almost a cultish following. Like, how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? Cause they'll tell you about it. Um, um, I didn't want, I didn't the, want to bring it up and be that guy, but since you brought it up, so. no, uh, I'm a I, CrossFitter too. So, um, but I, I really, I really do love it. But for me, um, what it has really shown me is like the areas that I'm weakest mm -hmm. in my body. So while like for, for, you know, like skills you need to develop, like as an, as an entrepreneur, like at work and things like that, you really do want to focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses, but your physical fitness, where you're weak is actually where the growth is going to happen. So, you know, while I, I go in and I do the work of, you know, whatever the workout is, you know, yesterday was open gym and I went in and specifically worked on three moves that I'm not good at, that I want to get better at. So like doing wall walks and doing double under, um, if you're a CrossFitter, you know what a double under is and yeah. how terrible they are. Um, and pull-ups, like I, you know, for all the strength I have, I can't do a pull-up. So I'm like, 
doing banded pull-ups. Um, so for me, like really working with the barbell and making sure like all of these moves that I can't do because of a weakness or an immobility issue, um, I'm working on steadily. And in six to 12 months, I want to be able to do a toes to bar, like, you know, to bend my body to the point where I can, my toes can hit a bar while my hands are holding the bar. Um, that's what I'm personally working on. And I absolutely love the gym I go to and the coaches that are there because they see that and they know they're like, oh, he's not good at that, but look at him go working on that stuff that he can't do. And you got to throw away your ego, right? Cause yeah. you want to go to the gym and you want to be badass. You want to finish first. You want to look like the tough guy, but that's not important. The important part is making sure you're focusing on your weaknesses and making them better because overall you'll be a much healthier person. So that's what I'm working on personally. Yeah. You make a great point there. The, that because there's all those small muscles that you kind of build up and that builds a foundation to be able to do some of these bigger workouts or the bigger movement, the Olympic lift, stuff like that, you know, it comes in time. So yeah, I think yeah. that accessory work is so important. And often that's one of the things I learned from CrossFit at least is like, you know, just going to the, your normal gym, you know, lifting a few weights here and there. And, you know, as Tony Horton says, right, you're just moving weights around kind of that yeah. type of thing. Like, you know, going and actually having it programmed and having some intensity, like that's, that's a huge thing. Um, it's definitely, uh, definitely pretty important for, for most people and everyone can't do it, but you kind of have to find your own way, you know, uh, what yeah, well, a lot of schedule, a lot of people are intimidated by CrossFit, but I would, I would say like, there's definitely gyms you would want to avoid. Like if, if you, you know, if you're not working out at all, but like the one I go to, they literally are like, okay, here's the move. And then here's the scaled version. And here's the scaled version of the scaled version. Here's the scaled version of the scaled version of the scaled version. And there's people moving their bodies mm -hmm. in this gym, not at RX, not doing, you know, the moves that CrossFitters would do, but they're working the same muscles at a capacity that's okay for them. So like, I would just say like, you know, again, that intimidation factor to CrossFit it's not all, it's not all CrossFit. Like it's, it's for all levels. You could do it, but there's also other gyms that do similar programming. That's not quite as intimidating. Yeah. It might be hit workouts or like the TRX stuff or what, yeah, yeah whatever. Exactly. But again, I think the point is just get moving and if yeah. you can get moving and then you start figuring out what you like. Cause I did the beach body stuff for a while. And I realized like, I don't really like doing these at home anymore. I want to get in the community. That's a CrossFit. Luckily it kind of, you know, serendipitously worked out, but I don't know if your story is similar, but like, it just happens, you know? Um, yeah. And if you, if you like it, you got to embrace it, you know? Yep. Um, what would you guys, so let's end on this. This is a guy, we probably talk for hours, honestly, like there's a million <laughs> things. Um, maybe we'll do a part two someday. Um, sure. But let's say someone's getting started. Let's, let, we let's stick with health and wellness. I mean, you can go on another tangent, but like someone's getting started um, and you're giving them a, a piece of advice, a, a guidance, you know, something to, to motivate them. What would you all each share kind of as a, as a lasting impression uh, for them to, to get started? I think for me, it's like with most things, you know, focus on what inspires you. You know, if you, if you walk into a gym, CrossFit, if you fire up Beachbody, whatever the thing is that somebody told you to do and you hate it, maybe don't give up right away, try a few times and, and, you know, see if it works for you, but, but just do what works for you. Like if you, if you need to just start by going for a walk for 10 minutes every day and you enjoy that and it's fun, go do that because you'll find after a couple of weeks or so that all of a sudden you want to walk a little farther, or maybe you can walk a little faster, or maybe you can put a jog in there, or maybe you're kind of just enjoying being outside and you're like, I'm going to dust off the bike that's been in the garage for five years or whatever. Like, just go, go where your interests are. Don't go where the magazine said you have to go. Don't go where you're going to get jacked with the best results, the fastest bro. Like just whatever you're interested in is going to inspire you to grow and keep going faster and do it on your own time. Don't, don't have this false idea that, you know, in three months I need to have the summer body or whatever the thing is like, just do it, start out by doing it for the sake of doing it. And for me, like my workout routine started by literally putting it on my calendar and then I didn't do it for a week, but I could see on the calendar. I have time. There's, I, I don't have an excuse. I can go do it. It's on the calendar. I got right. time. So start there, put it on the calendar, but you know, don't even do it, but just become aware that you can, and then start with whatever inspires you and, and see where that takes you. 
Yeah. And I would, I would say while you're, while you're doing that, just be really curious about yourself and just remember that again, we're not, we are all, we're all different. What works for one person is not going to work for this, for another person. And you've got unique tastes. You've got unique genetics. You've got, you know, different muscles than everyone else. Like, you know, and, and just be really curious about all of these opinions that you've formed throughout all the years that you've been alive and question them as to whether or not they're right, whether or not they're wrong. And you can be right and wrong in the same, you know, on the, on the same issue, but just be really curious about you and why you do things the way you do them. Because, you know, the, the programming that we all got as children or the programming that we got as, you know, teenagers and adults or things that we have just naturally fallen into and it's routine and habit for us, they might not be serving you the best. And it's, it's just always good to really question that stuff and look deeper into it. And a lot of us don't want to go there, but that real growth happens when you start to ask, why do I do this and figuring out why you do it. And once you know why you do a certain, a certain thing, you can change it, right? It, it yeah. makes it that much more possible. So I would go with just be curious about you and why you're doing things that you're doing. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Where, uh, where can they check out the podcast? Where can they say hello to you guys online? What's the best spot? All the things you need are at thefitmess.com. You're going to find our Facebook group and our newsletter and all the stuff there. So you can, you can follow us and uh, check in and let us know where you're at in your journey. And uh, we'd love to hear from you at thefitmess.com. Thank you all so much, man. This has been a lot of fun and appreciate you joining. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.